Hey guys, Pastor Bear here. Welcome to the podcast for Real Church. We meet every Sunday at 11.15 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sherpsburg. You can also check us out online at www.realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. I hope you enjoy this week's message. so thankful that God um, made me cross paths with Roy Davis. Roy um, uh, is one of the godliest men, and I can say this honestly, he's one of the godliest men I've ever met. He lives his life, uh, he, live, he does his business, he treats people with overwhelming grace and with overwhelming mercy. Um, and everything that you'll hear today is lived on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. You just so happen to run into him on Sunday. And that's the fact. He also, he also helped build the building that you're sitting in today. He is a good and godly man, and I'm thankful that he would come forth and bring a message uh, about, about God's love. Let me introduce you to Roy Davis. Come on up, Roy. Without the greatest love story, and, and by the way, you've already heard the sermon and that song, that last song uh, just really preached the gospel, but, uh, you know, there are words that we love, joy and happiness and peace and faith, and um, none of those words would be a reality without love. See, love is the key. Uh, The problem is that there is an awful lot to learn about true love, and this world knows very, very little about it, so I'm going to... uh, use the Word of God today to help us to see uh, what God has to say about this greatest love story. You are very familiar with this verse. Everyone, I think, at least in the Western world, knows John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved the world. God loved the world so much that he gave up his son to face torture and crucifixion, taking the penalty of sin on himself so that we might have our sins forgiven and have access to his Holy Spirit. Why was Jesus born? We celebrate in this time of the year the birth of Jesus Christ. But isn't that an interesting question? Why was it necessary for Jesus Christ to be born? You know, that is unique to the Christian faith. God coming to us and being born. Fully man. Not a demigod. None of your Marvel characters. The God of the universe coming and being born 100% man. Why? Why would God do that? Jesus was born because God loved us. The Apostle John describes this identifying character of God. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Two things catch in there. For love is of God, and then secondly, 
God is love. Just as a little uh, parenthesis here, I want to give you, there are a lot of other reasons. Let me just give you five other reasons why Jesus was born, why it was necessary for Jesus to be born. Uh, And I'll do this quickly. Number one, because of our sin. Jesus was born because of our sin. But God shows his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.8. Now, a lot of people are under the impression that Jesus Christ came because God messed up. His plan messed up. You know, he had Adam and Eve, and he had everything set up, and, and we messed up. And it was all the woman's fault, right? No, it, she said it was, it was Adam's fault, and it's his serpent's fault. But really, I guess God's fault, because he messed up. But let me make sure you understand something. The Scripture teaches us that God, in the person of Jesus Christ, was born before the foundation of the world. It was not a stopgap measure. It wasn't wasn't a second plan. It wasn't plan B. Now, don't ask me to explain that to you this morning. I'd be happy to do that in a series, but just so you know, God did not love us because he had to, because his plan didn't work. God loved us before the foundation of the world. He loved you. He planned for Jesus Christ to come and be born and to die for us, give himself for us before, not because, but before. Secondly, God wanted to reveal his full character. I hope all of you have studied the Old Testament. There's a great deal for us to learn in the Old Testament, but I have to tell you, that the Old Testament is not a complete picture of the character of God. If you only study the Old Testament, you're only going to see certain, certain aspects of who God is. It was left to Jesus Christ to completely give to us the full character of God and who God is. Let me just give you a couple of examples in Psalm 86:15 says, "You, O Lord, are God are merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and fear, fearfulness and faithfulness." In 1 John 4:18, there is no love in fear. Or there's no fear in love. I get that right. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love or made perfect in love. And then in Romans 8, 27 and 28. Now he who searches the hearts and knows the mind of the spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God those who are the called according to his purpose. These are just a couple of the things, but it is through Jesus Christ that we really come to understand who God is. Third, because 
Jesus Christ was born because a perfect sacrifice was needed. As you know, the, the high priest and the priest gave offerings every year, gave sacrifices. That was intended as a covering for sin. And this is important for you to understand. Nowhere in the scripture does it teach that the sacrifice of lambs and goats forgave sins. There was no forgiveness of sins. There was a covering of sins. It was only through a perfect sacrifice that we have the forgiveness of sins. I want to read uh, in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 4 where it makes this clear. It's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Let me, let me continue. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou, God, hast no pleasure. It was only through Jesus Christ and his perfect sacrifice that there is the forgiveness of sins. Without the perfect sacrifice, all humanity would die with no hope beyond the grave. Number four, because man, mankind needed a mediator. The priest acted as mediators. And in Hebrews chapter 8 and uh, verses 6 through 10, we are told, now he has ordained, obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. And there's quite a bit that we could talk about there, but uh, I'll just point this out. The scripture says when Jesus Christ was complete, when it, he gave his sacrifice, he sat down as our mediator. Uh, the high priest, the priest's job was never finished. They worked, uh, they worked all the time, and, the, and the, the sacrifices were constant. They got a portion of the sacrifices. That's how they made their livelihood. So they worked all the time. Jesus Christ gave of himself as a perfect sacrifice that was accepted for the forgiveness of sins, and then he sat down. And last, because mankind needed a redeemer. Romans 3, 20 through 24, and I want to read this in the Amplified, if I can. Um, For no person will be justified, freed of guilt, and declared righteous in his sight by trying to do the works of the law. For through the law we became conscious of sin, and the recognition of sin directs us toward repentance, but provides no remedy for sin. But now the righteousness of God has been clearly revealed independently and completely apart from the law. Though it is actually confirmed by the law and the words and writings of the prophets. Now, I want to make sure that this is really clear this morning because it, it continues to astound me in this nation, which was founded on, not necessarily by Christians, but this nation was founded on the teachings of the Bible, 
And the clearest teaching of the Bible, the clearest teaching of the Bible is that salvation is not of works, lest any man should boast. And yet, I meet people every day, every day, that if I ask them, are you a Christian? Are you a follower of Christ? Do you know where your eternal living place is going to be? Their response to me is going to be something about how good they are, or I do this, or I don't do this. And we all have our special list, right, of the things that we don't do. Make sure that we don't include any of the ones we actually do on that list. Salvation is not by works. See, that's the whole point of this love story. It does not matter how righteous you are. And Pastor Barry has basically just seen me on my best days. But I'll, now I'll tell you this. I've been a Christian for 46 years. I know, I'm older than dirt. Listen, if you've been a Christian for 46 years, you should have learned a few things, okay? You should have gained some sanctification, okay? I should be a little bit more like Christ than someone who's been saved for just a couple of years. So that, that should be natural. That should not be strange. But let me tell you something. On my best days, it doesn't mean anything. I do not get the favor of God. I do not receive the love of God. I do not receive the grace of God, the mercy of God, because of anything that I do or anything that I do not do. And you don't either. The only thing that matters is that God loved you. And because of that, he sent his son. And you're going to have to come to grips with that. And the reason that we have such a hard time coming to grips with that is because we want to be worthy. The good news is that God loves you and sent Jesus to redeem you and give you eternal life. That's the good news. That's the gospel. God loves you. He sent Jesus to redeem you and give you eternal life. The bad news is that apart from giving you a wonderful holiday, God's love and the gift of his son if it is not a reality in your life, unless you believe. Everything that God has done this season of the year, the fact that God so loved the world that he sent his only son is meaningless to you. It is not real to you. 
It's in the same category with Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. Close your ears. Unless you believe. So we have come to know, this is uh, 1 John 4, 19. The apostle says, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. When you realize that God loves you and sent Jesus Christ to redeem you from the curse of sin and make you his child, your heart will respond. Now, let me say that again. I would love to believe that every heart in this room has responded to the love of God. I would love to believe that. But here's the truth. When we come to know, when we realize, see, that's when it becomes real to you. Just not a Christmas story, but when it becomes real to you, When it becomes real to you that God loves you and Jesus Christ was sent to redeem you and save you from the curse of sin and make you his child, your heart will respond. We love him because he first loved us. Now, does everyone love God? Everyone who realizes, when it becomes real to you, that God loves you. Have you ever even just said that? I had our people do this a while back. Have you ever just tried that sometime? Just stop sometime and just say, God loves me. God loves me. And you say that until the magnitude of that statement becomes real to you. God loves me. God loves me. And he sent his son because he loves me. When that becomes real to you, your heart will respond. We love him because... He first loved us. The love of God required God the Father to send his only son to us. Jesus Christ came to live for us and die for us because he loves us. Now, I just want to give you two questions here as a result of that. The greatest love story that I've just, and you've all heard it. I don't know how many times you've heard it. But I hope this morning that if you, if you haven't really heard it, that you'll hear it. But this greatest love story presents you and I with two questions. And the first question is, what does this great love of God require of each one of us? What does it require of us? 
The Christmas story is a declaration of God's love that demands a response from every listener. And you will respond this morning. God loves you and has demonstrated that love by the gift of his son. You must respond with belief or unbelief. You will respond to this love story. You will accept, you will receive this love personally in a life-changing way or you will reject this with unbelief. Reject the love of God. Think about it. Would you reject the love of God? Do you respond with belief and thanksgiving for this amazing gift? And I know many of you have, surely. Does your heart respond to God's love with love for God? Then rejoice, because this season of the year is the best time of the year. If you love the Lord, you love Christmas. That's just the way it is. Okay? If you don't, you're in the throes of legalism, and I'll pray for you. Listen, if you cannot get excited about the God of the universe loving you so much that he would send his only son he would demonstrate that love. He didn't just say, I love you. He demonstrated that love by sending his son. And I receive that love. Your heart responds, you rejoice. You will rejoice. So rejoice, amen. Now, if you have not responded to that love with belief, then enjoy your shopping. Number two, second question, and this is for the believers, okay? If, if there's only one message I have for you this morning, there's only one declaration I have for you this morning if you have not responded to the love of God with belief, and that is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I don't have anything else I can give you this morning. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall have eternal life. That's all I have to offer you this morning. That's it. Everything else in this book is only for those who believe. So let me talk to the believers this morning. You believe? What does it mean to love God? God loved us, and he demonstrated that love by giving us his son. And we respond by loving him. What does that mean? What does it mean to love God? Our culture loves the word love. The only way you can know what true love is and how love is to be lived out and how love is to be demonstrated is in this book right here. That may not be the most popular thing there is to say today, but this is it. If you want to know the revelation of who God is, how he, how he 
illumines himself to us, how we come to know him and how we come to know how to live in this life, how to please him, how to live with one another, it's right here. So I'm just going to give you a few of those quickly. And this one may come as a little bit of a surprise to you. Let me, first of all, just uh, a quote by George Bethune out of a book called The Fruit of the Spirit. He says, love binds together all of the virtues of Christian character. Listen to this. Love always results in action on our part. Love is a holy, abiding, vigorous spirit which rules the whole man, ever directing him to the holy and loving fulfillment of all his duties to God and man. So devotion to God and love for God finds its outward expression in loving God and one another. 1 John 4, 20 and 21 says, do I have that one? 1 John 4, 20 and 21 says, well, let me begin at verse 19. They got it. Verse 19 says, we love him because he first loved us. I read that one. If a man, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. Well, boy, that's kind of straight, isn't it? I love God and hates his brother. He's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? 1 John 4.20. And this commandment we have from him. He who loves God must love his brother also. Now, this is... What once you get this morning, we don't usually put these things together. Command, love. Isn't it? We don't usually put those together. Love is an emotion, right? Love is feeling, feelings, and commands are, this is what I have to do. The love Christians are expected to demonstrate is based on two great commandments. Love God and love your neighbor. Christ himself in Matthew 22, verse 35 through 40. You'll remember this young Pharisee came and asked him. A lawyer says, uh, had a question, teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? Now, he knew the answer to that. He's a Pharisee. But Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and he knew that to be true. That is, they've all been taught that in the Torah. That is the first and great commandment. Jesus said this, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. What does that mean? On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. What Jesus was saying is, if you love God and you love men, you will take care of all the commandments. Think about it. You cannot break one of the commandments without breaking one of those two, either loving God or loving man. It's impossible. If you love God and love man, you will keep all of the commandments. By the way, that was a revolutionary thing that Jesus Christ did right there. It is the first time ever that God elevated that second command in the same position as the first commandment. The first and great commandment is you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The second is like unto it. That had never been done before. 
That one shook him a little bit. That, that shook the Pharisee a little bit. The second is likened to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Wait a minute. These are on equal footing. They are the two great commandments. That's what Jesus said. The Ten Commandments show both how to have a true relationship with the Creator, appropriate respect and worship practices, how we are to relate to God, and how to interact with and treat other human beings. It teaches us how to avoid what the Bible calls sin, which destroys relationships. In 1 John 5, 1 through 3, says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him, who begot, also loves him who is begotten of him. That is, if you love the Father, you love the Son. By this, we know that we love the children of God. How do we know we love the children of God? You say you love one another? That's good. How do I know that you love one another? We love when we love God and keep his commandments. You know, put those two together this morning, love and commandments. See that love, is, love has a high standard in Scripture. There's a high standard. What does it mean to love God? Those who say they are Christians and who strive to walk as Christ walked, 1 John 2 and 6, realize that God wants us to demonstrate the selflessness of love because he wants us to become more like him. He who says he abides in him, in God, ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Well, there's a high standard for you. Walk as Christ walked. Well, that's, that's our goal. That's what we strive for. Why? Why? Because we want to be worthy because we want to please God? No, because we love God. Let me give you, what does this look like in daily practice, this love? Well, because I love you, I am patient with you. Because I love you, I will be kind to you. Because I love you, I don't envy you. But I want you to have the best. Because I love you, I am courteous to you. Because I love you, I want to help meet your needs. Because I love you, I want to forgive you. Because I love you, I will overlook your offenses. Because I love you, I will not keep a record of your wrongs. Love gives, even at a great personal cost. 1 John 3.16 says, By this we know love, because he, Christ, laid down his life for us. This is how we know love. And we, it would be, be good if it stopped right there, wouldn't it? We know love because he laid down his life for us. Amen. Praise the Lord. And we ought also to lay down our lives for the brethren. Wow. Love comes at a great personal cost. 
money, time, attention, heart. Everything that we have. Is it hard to love? I mean, these are some pretty high standards. These are not easy things when you think about it. Is it hard to love? Not if you love somebody. You ever loved anybody? Was it hard for you to please them? Was it hard for you to, is it hard for you to do things for them? Is it hard for you to give of yourself to them? No. It's what you desire to do. It's what pleases you more than anything else in the world. Now, if you don't love somebody, these are hard things to do. You try being patient with somebody you don't love or forgiving them or overlooking their wrongs. No, it's all about love. And the last thing I want to leave with you is that uh, God desires Christians that we grow in love. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 and 10 says, but concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you. What does that mean? What he's saying to this Thessalonian church is, y'all have a great record of practicing love. You're a giving church. You're a loving church. He is not reprimanding this church. He is not criticizing this church in this area. He is commending them. The Thessalonian church was the most consistent giving church in the New Testament, particularly to the needs of the church in Jerusalem. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And indeed you do so toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. And this is the part that I want you to see. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. That's, that's just the way God is. Whatever your strong points are today, God just wants you to get better. You don't ever get to a point where he says, oh, that's good enough. When it comes to love, he wants us to increase in love toward him and toward one another. And he gave us the perfect example. He loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son, who loved us so much that he gave himself. Only God can cause love to grow within our souls. We know it is his will that we grow in love. Some of you here this morning, have you heard this Christmas story many times and never responded to the personal message God is proclaiming to you? God loves you. Christ came to give you eternal life, and he died to purchase that life for you. Have you believed on him? Do you believe in him? If not, believe on Jesus Christ today and you will receive eternal life. And eternal life begins today. Are you a believer? Then rejoice because that's what we're celebrating. The Redeemer lives. Amen.
Jesus Christ is king forever. And you and I will live with him in a magnificent eternity. Let me give you a benediction this morning. From the book of Ephesians, may God richly bless you so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for the love of God. We thank you for the love of Jesus Christ. We thank you that you demonstrated that love by sending Jesus Christ to live and die for us. And I pray, Father, that every person hearing these words this morning will have a heart response to you that Holy Spirit you will reveal to them you will quicken their hearts to this truth that you love them you came and you died for them and you ask you command us Lord to believe may our hearts believe and trust in you to your honor and glory and for those of us that know you lord may we rejoice may we be encouraged may we be strengthened in the knowledge that you love us you love us you love us in jesus name amen thank you for listening to the podcast of real church coweta If you have any questions or if you would like to contact us at Real Church, please go to our website at www.realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us on Sunday at 11.15 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Also, check out our website or Facebook page for directions. Until next time, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.